Welcome everyone joining us live. It's awesome to hang out. Welcome to another edition of the Friday Hot Tag. I am Hey It's Will. He's Jay Cow. And uh, we're here today. We got, uh, you know, I suppose I say this every week, but there's a lot to talk about. This is a big episode. By the next time that you and I are together on Instagram Live, we will have witnessed the first ever episode of UWN Primetime Live, which of course is coming up this Tuesday night, September 15th, and uh, order it on Fight TV if you haven't already. Um, it's going to be uh, amazing. We're going to run down the card a little bit um, before we end our conversation today, kind of give our takes and opinions on it. Um, but Jake, how are you feeling about everything that, that's happened in the last week and everything coming up? I mean, brother, it's it's all coming to fruition, right? I mean, we were saying, hey, guys, don't be so quick to count the NWA out. And now we've got our franchise player, Thunder Rosa, defending that world's women's championship on AEW. We've got the 10 pounds of gold coming to Long Beach, California. The first time in 52, well, not 52, since 1952, excuse me, that the NWA World Heavyweight Championship will be defended in Long Beach, California. Wow. Uh, I mean, it's a lot of really cool things that are coming our way, and I'm I'm jacked up, brother. I am jacked up. And listen, I, I just I gotta say one thing, and that, that I won't say any more about it. But to all the haters who said AEW was going to bury Thunder Rosa and the NWA, uh, not only did they not bury her, uh, she looked incredibly strong even in defeat on All Out. And now she's going to go defend the Burke, as we call it, the NWA World's Women's Championship on AEW Dynamite on national television. That, if that's not a tip of the cap to the NWA and, and a, a thanking for the partnership and uh, that they've struck with Thunder Rosa, I don't know what is. So I'm excited about it. I don't, I don't think you know any negative can come out of it. It's only more uh, spotlight, more publicity for. Um, the promotion that we all know and love, the National Wrestling Alliance. So I am stoked for that. Uh, UWN Primetime Live, we had uh, me and the rest of the Bearded Trio got to sit down with Mike Bennett last week, and we released that interview this week. We also got to sit down, all uh, those of us that are part of the Patreon uh, for Carnyland, and chat with Mike Bennett last night, which was a really cool conversation. He addressed even some of the latest you know, WWE stuff with them banning third-party interactions and stuff like that. He was very candid and open about that. But the, the bottom line with Mike Bennett is this dude is legitimately hungry. We keep saying it, but I don't mean that in terms of like his character. I mean, Mike Bennett, the man, the father, the husband, he is hungry to get back into real professional wrestling. And uh, so it's just been so cool to get to know him a little better. If you hadn't checked out our interview, go check that out. And uh, as we get ready and look ahead to Tuesday, uh, I just keep getting more and more excited, man. So and that was a great interview you guys did with Mike Bennett. All all three of you bearded trio were uh, uh, on point. I think you guys had some poignant questions. If you guys didn't check it out yet, please go check it out. Um, if you weren't sold on the fight, you definitely need to watch that video because it's going to sell you on the fight. And if you haven't watched 10 Pounds of Gold that came out last week, the return Ooh. 10 Pounds of Gold on the official NWA YouTube channel, definitely go watch that. That will get you pumped up. Uh, you know, it's kind of our buzz phrase around here in the hashtag NWA fam, but it's it's starting to feel like a real prize fight. I mean, I, you know, when they first announced it, you know, I think a lot of us were kind of on the fence and we were excited because we were getting a title match. Um, but we were still kind of, you know, a little bit cautious. And I think the way that they're promoting it and the way that they're really 
um, using all the, the resources and the avenues that they have from 10 pounds of gold to social media to these Patreon, you know, Zoom chats and things like that. Uh, I just keep getting more and more excited about it. So, um, but we will, we'll jump in. We'll talk a little more about primetime live. Like I said, before we, before we hop out of the hot tag for today, but the, the subject that we want to talk about, and this is something that, uh, I've been going over in my mind a lot lately because you look at the current landscape of wrestling and then you look at how wrestling was when we were growing up right and so one of the things um that stands out in my mind was how prevalent in the business they call them jobbers right or i think now they call it enhancement talent and so you know you, you don't see you see it a little bit now um but you don't see it as much as you used to and so i just wanted to have a conversation with my brother Cow about how you feel about the role of jobbers, the the role that they've played in in wrestling history, uh, how they fit into storylines and things like that. Um, For me personally, I go back and forth, man. I mean, I kind of waver on this because I'm like, on one hand, I'm like, oh, I can see how they're super valuable, right? So you can really make someone look strong without, you know, having to have someone, you know, that matters, no disrespect, uh, be defeated. But then at the same time, I'm like, well, is that lazy storytelling, though? Can you do the same thing? Can you get creative and not have to use, you know, enhancement talent? And then there's the idea that, you know, you're giving people opportunities. I mean, there's tons of guys who that's how they got their start was was jobbing to, to mid-carters or main eventers to put them over. And so, Jake, Al, what's what's your thoughts on it? So you're right. In a lot of ways, when I'm watching wrestling, I want to see the two best competitors in the ring especially if I'm paying for said wrestling match, I want to see the best two competitors in the ring. But there is room for this enhancement talent. There's room for jobbers, the J-Brones, the J-O-B, the job squad for crying out loud. You need to have guys to legitimize your stars. You need to have people who can put on a decent match, can put on a good match, with somebody who's really above their caliber. And the reason why is because that's how you establish your top talent. If every, if every single time in, in, in NWA power, if Eli Drake was wrestling against Trevor Murdoch or James Storm or Aaron Stevens, you don't really get to see how great of a competitor Eli Drake is until you put him in that squash match when he's, beating up Caleb Conley or beating up D-Man Parker. They serve a purpose, and that's in the NWA, but you look at the greater picture. I mean, gosh, it was many, many moons ago, a young John Cena with his ruthless aggression stepped into the ring with his uh, with, with Daniel Bryan, back then going by Bryan Danielson, and it was an enhancement match. And Cena, I don't know if he was trying to help Danielson land a job or what, but you had a really great match between the two, something you didn't really see out of Cena just yet, and certainly something you wouldn't have seen out of an enhancement talent. But guys like Barry Horowitz, guys like uh, the Brooklyn Brawler, if you don't have these guys who are in place, uh, then how do you establish these top stars? You can't just put a main event guy versus a main event guy every week because then it's not special for the pay-per-view. Then it's not special for the big house show. So you got to have these talents – in place to make well to, to be valuable 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I remember uh, when I was a kid growing up, I went to a WCW house show, and it was here in South Carolina at the Anderson Civic Center, uh, a couple of towns over. And I remember, this is something I vividly remember because it was just unheard of, but they used a jobber to advance a character in an unexpected way. So stunning Steve Austin, uh, we know, who became Stone Cold, obviously, unless you're an idiot. Back then he was doing this with a projector. Oh, yeah. He had the long blonde hair, but he was stunning Steve Austin, and he was just he, – he was hated, man. I mean, he was just that guy that everybody booed and everything. And at this house show, he was actually beat by a jobber, like a no-name guy that wasn't normally on TV. And I just remember thinking that that was so – cool like that was like i still remember it to this day and i wish i could remember who it was if it was somebody who eventually went on to become you know a main eventer or something like that it could could have been but you know just as a young kid i just remember that and and you don't see that a lot but it, it was a way to almost get more heat on stunning steve because you're like oh this guy lost to to this jobber, you know, like, Oh, not only do I hate him, but like, he can't even cut it with these guys that aren't even full time, you know? Um, So I, you know, it was a big part of my childhood. I mean, I remember the shows I would watch growing up, WCW Saturday night, uh, WCW main event, you know, and stuff like that. I mean, dude, 75% of those matches were, were jobber matches. It was, it was to, let you see Barry Windham and to let you see uh, Vader, you know, Big Van Vader and stuff like that. And they weren't going to have them, like you said, come out. You weren't going to get Vader versus Sting on, on TBS. You were going to get that on the pay-per-view. And it did make it feel bigger. Um, but I feel like they did a good job back then. And so when we fast forward to now and we go back and forth with it, you know, I know recently WWE has used some enhancement talent on guys like Braun Strowman, you know, to give him like a streak. They were doing it with, uh, the Viking Raiders for a little while, giving them just kind of feeding them tag teams. Um, and even some of the female uh, talent, Shayna Baszler and people like that, that were coming in, they were trying to establish that, but, but they just weren't doing it as methodically as I feel like it used to be, you know what I mean? And so that's why I think yeah. it's, it's gotten a little bit of a bad rap now because it's not a consistent thing. It's so, it, it's so inconsistent that when they do it, you kind of roll your eyes and you go, okay, I know what they're doing here, you know? Yeah, and, and that's and that's a shame too because I mean when we were growing up, uh, you know, for me I I tune into superstars right, and oh hey there's this guy coming into the ring the Ultimate Warrior okay what's this dude all about and he beats a guy in like you know two minutes, that sends a message. Now when that that guy that he beat you know you see him on TV the the, the next week and he has a a competitive match with one of the guys on lower on the mid card. You know, then then it it, it, it kind of shows you something. And, of course, you know, let's not ever forget about Bill Goldberg, who literally went through the entire WCW roster. But, you know, before he was in the main event, he was wrestling guys who were much lower on the card. You know, it started off with a feud with Mongo McMichaels, for crying out loud. And yeah. it built up. I was I was there at the, the Cox Arena in San Diego when, when, when uh, Goldberg stole Mongo's ring. And that's how they started that feud off. His, his NFL Super Bowl ring. That's how they started that feud off. But it, it built up. I mean, it was first Mongo, and then it was Hugh Morris, and then, you know, Steven Regal. And it would just kind of built up and built up and built up. It didn't happen overnight. And he didn't become the star overnight because he had to start going through guys. And then, you know, and then they would send out, you know, the, 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 the clown car of Jay Brones, and he would just beat these guys in seconds instead of minutes. But, that's how they built him up. And it, 
and it's carried with them. It still carries with them today because everybody who was watching wrestling at that time still remembers him just literally plowing through that WCW roster. And I definitely see the advantages of doing stuff like that today. Whether, whether or not it, it's done the right way, I can't really speak to that, but it is something that is a valuable tool that all promoters should be using. Yeah. Do you think that the NWA specifically should utilize it more? I mean, you look at our roster and, you know, I, I think the struggle was when we had power, uh, it was just one hour, you know what I mean? And, and so there wasn't a whole lot of time. And there was some matches to your point that were like that. I mean, I remember, I think it was the first episode, Eli Drake and Caleb Connolly. And, you know, I wouldn't call Caleb Connolly a, a, a jobber by any means. He, he holds gold, uh, tag team gold in, in the indie promotions. But like, you know, that match was clearly set up to have Eli get a win on, on, on television, you know? And um, so, yeah, that's one way to go about it. And, and I don't think they, you know, buried Caleb Connolly by any means. He, he, uh, it was a great match and he put on a, a great performance, but, um, you know, do you think the NWA should do that a little more with their talent so that you can have that visual of like a Trevor Murdoch, just, you know, plowing through the competition a few well, times and then kind of validating him as like the tough guy that we know he is, but you know what I'm saying? Well, I, I think they kind of did that in, in- you know, again, I don't want to disrespect Caleb Conley in any way, but there was certainly a job that he was there to do. Um, it, it, he, along with C.W. Anderson, along with Josephus, um, there were a couple of guys on the first card whose names I can't even recall, but they were there to 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 get the other talent over. That's what they were there for. And if you want to call them jobbers, enhancement, whatever. I think the NWA actually utilized that as a pretty good strategy. And I think especially when it comes to a show like power, because there is no pay window, right? What you're paying the NWA for power is basically your eyeballs and your watch time on YouTube. And that's not currency folks. That's not enough to get the mega main events. I mean, that's what pay-per-views are for. That's what the live events are for. So I think the NWA did an adequate job of doing that, of using that jobber type role, that enhancement type role, whatever you want to call it. Because, I mean, look, um, again, Caleb Conley is a great talent. Dan Parker is a great talent. But they had a specific role that they were feeling when they were in power. Um, and that doesn't mean that – and that's the thing, too, about enhancement talents and, and jobbers, whatever you want to call them. It doesn't mean that they can't rise above that, too, because we've seen that in the past as well, where talents – Barry Horowitz, you know, is the first name that comes to mind, uh, you know, end up taking that next step when they can start getting uh, the crowd to react to them. You know, Josephus was more or less taken off of TV. Um, and th- then we get this guy, the question mark, who we think is, you know, he, he looks like a jobber. We think he's going to be a jobber. And he ends up stealing the show. It, it, it's incredible what, uh, what the, a live crowd reaction can do for a talent. Absolutely. Uh, I want to get to some comments here in the chat. I'm trying to make sure we include everyone. Thanks to everyone who's hanging out. Um, yeah, Dave Scooby, so much NWA talent or NWA content. I love it. Uh, hey, good afternoon, Ryan Romano. Uh, let's see. Chris Drummond says, who do you consider top tier stars in the NWA and who do you feel are the mid tier? What's your thoughts on that? Well, top tier obviously is uh, strictly business. Um, the top tier is definitely, uh, Eli Drake and James Storm. Um, 
I think that's your top tier right now. Uh, you know, you can kind of count Tim Storm in that conversation as well. But then I think right below that is your middle tier, and that's your Aaron Stevens, your question mark, your Trevor Murdoch. Um, you know, unfortunately, he's gone, but your Ricky Starks, uh, the Rock and Roll Express, um, Eddie Kingston, although now he's gone. Of course, we're going to see a different NWA power when it eventually comes because a lot of this talent is just different. Uh, also, don't want to forget Thunder Rosa is a franchise player of that show. Maybe the franchise player of the NWA brand. She is power. So I don't want to, I don't want to leave her off that list of, of the top names. And of course, Allison Kay would also fit that role as well, where Marty Bell is, is certainly underneath that. Um, you know, Tasha Steeles is gone. And, and then really the division after those three is just kind of, uh, you know, it's just kind of, uh, leaves a lot to be desired. Yeah. Well, and, and it's interesting, you know, part of, professional wrestling and part of the appeal in the entertainment is seeing those people jump from tier to tier, you know, and that's yeah. part of the storytelling. So, I mean, you know, we don't mean any disrespect at all by saying, Oh, you know, this person's a mid tier talent because, you know, literally six months from now, they could be in, in a heavyweight championship match and be top tier, you know? So that's, that's the, that's the, the beauty of, of professional wrestling and the stories, how that can, can shift and change. But there does seem to be, you know, at every point in time, kind of a clear delineation of like, all right, these are the top tier um, people and these are the mid tier um, and then possibly enhancement talent like we're talking about right now. Uh, Woo Channel says, I do miss the enhancement talent matches, given the impression that when two main wrestlers uh, actually meet at a house show or a pay-per-view made it much more crazier. Yeah, I think that's I think that's kind of our take on it as well. It's just like, you know, uh, you, you compare it to prize fights, right? I mean, it's like you're you're not going to see uh, in a prize fight those two guys go at it at a non-televised event or on on a cable show or something like that. You're going to wait until it's it's on pay-per-view, you know, and that's that's when the fight's going to go down. That's that's what, you know, for lack of a better term brings in the money, brings on the right. Record, you know? Um, so Dave Scooby says, if done correctly, uh, using a gyro can help build up a wrestler. The enhancement talent is someone who can actually wrestle and make themselves and their opponent look good, even in defeat. So, yeah, I mean, that, that's a great take, Scooby. I mean, you know, it's, and that's where it gets kind of fuzzy for me. It's like, you know, calling someone a job or an enhancement talent when they're actually, um, you know, a skilled, um, you know, able-bodied uh, wrestler, uh, it's it, it takes a lot of talent for, on both ends, you know. I mean, for them to go in there, and as you said, I mean, uh, to go in there and they got a job to do, and, and they do it. They make you know whoever's supposed to win look great, and uh, that takes just as much talent as it does to go out there and, and get a pinfall or a submission. So, um, so yeah, uh, let's see one more here. Chris Drummond again says, "I'm okay with Rosa working AEW, but to be honest." Don't want Aldis as NWA champ on the show. Well, Chris, we uh, we don't know if Aldis is ever going to appear on the show. Um, you know, it's always a possibility, but we haven't heard anything, and and I, I don't feel like they're leading to anything with that. I think if anything, um, because of his position with the NWA and all the effort that he's putting to elevate um, NWA programming and content and things like that, if anything we would see somebody possibly from AEW come over and, and fight on his turf uh, in the NWA. But I, I don't know 
even if if Nick is you know looking to do something, some kind of crossover like like Thunder Rosa. J. Cal, what do you think about that? I mean, the NWA has really kind of catered to Nick Aldis and has given him the freedom and the flexibility to kind of pick and choose what he wants to do. I mean, let's let's not forget before this pandemic hit, he was scheduled to have a defense in Puerto Rico against uh, against Carlito. Right. He yep. had other matches scheduled to happen that just didn't happen because of this pandemic. Um, I mean, part of his role is world champion, too. Let's not forget. You know, he has such an active hand with NWA power that every time he wrestles a match out of his out of his territory, out of out of Tennessee, you know, he is seeing new talent. He's more or less scouting for the NWA when he faces somebody like Noby Bryant in Richland Hills, Texas, I mean, maybe he'll never be an NWA world champion, but there might be a spot for Noby Bryant in the National Wrestling Alliance. You know what I mean? Um, yep. His job is to represent the brand and the title uh, outside of the NWA as well as inside. Now, that doesn't mean he can't go to AEW, but I just don't think there's there's a need for it, really. Um, the only match we want to see, well, maybe not the only match, but the most desired match that AEW could provide would be Cody versus Nick three. I don't think we're going to get that anytime soon, especially with Cody on the, on the shelf. So in the meantime, um, I'm fine with just watching Nick get a few matches here and there on the Indies. And I'm more than happy to see Nick defend the 10 pounds of gold in Long Beach, California, as part of United Wrestling Network's primetime live, which debuts in just a few days, September 15th, Tuesday. That's right. And as we mentioned earlier, head on over to fight.tv and place your order for that. You can get the first episode for, I think it's seven ninety nine on there, or you can buy a bundle pack with the first four episodes for twenty three ninety nine. So it's a great deal. I mean, we're going to get a lot of wrestling. J. Cal, let's get into the, to what we know uh, is on the card for the first show. Um, and we'll, we'll kind of start from the bottom and go up, but you sent this to me earlier and I'll just walk through it and get your take. Some of these you're going to probably be a little more familiar with, and I am. We're, we're trying to get uh, now with this this UWN NWA crossover. Me and the Bearded Trio are uh, are going to intentionally, you know, be watching a lot more Championship Wrestling from Hollywood and trying to get more and more familiar with those guys. We watched the episode from this past week, and it was it was awesome, super entertaining. Um, I can already you know see myself buying into a lot of these guys and uh, becoming fans um, so I'm excited to see some crossover potentially there but we've got Chris Dickinson uh, we don't know his opponent but he was one of the first talents that was announced that was going to be on this and so it makes me think that um, they've got something at least kind of big planned for him what do you think about that I got mixed feelings about that guy um, you know he spent most of his career in the hardcore matches and the jungles on the east coast you know he was literally wrestling against. Uh, I mean, he had that uh, the the gender match against uh, Kimberly, where he gave her that uh, Gonzo bomb on the on the ring, and it was really it was really nasty. I mean, she took a really bad tumble, but um, you know that's not to say that there can't be opportunity there for him. Uh, one thing that I know that Marquez is really good at is finding diamonds in the rough, and if it's certain guys. You give them the right rub and the right shine and the right polish, and things good things happen for them. So I, I'm excited to see what he's going to bring to the table, and we're going to see a different Chris Dickinson, that's for sure. 
Yeah, I, uh, I don't have a lot of preconceived notions about him, um, so I'm just interesting to see how he appears. And, you know, I, I kind of get to, to view him with a clean slate and, and, and see what they want to do with him. And so, um, you know, I, I agree with you. Marquez has a knack for that kind of stuff. So it'll be interesting to see what they do with him. But then we've got uh, the Tribe versus Wolf Zaddies. I'm a Wolf Zaddies fan. So I'm going to go Wolf Zaddies. You, should, you should be. Yeah. So uh, what are your thoughts? You probably got a little more insight into those two teams. So bad dude Tito – and the tribe have history. And that's what I love about what this show is doing. It's, it's bringing back this feud. Um, a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away, there was a tag team titles in championship wrestling from Hollywood, the Hollywood Heritage Tag Titles. Those were the same belts that were held by, you know, Sean Ricker and Brian Cage, the same titles by Los Luchas, the uh, same tag titles that uh, Rock Nest Monsters held. But they were also held by the tribe. And these two young guys, bad dude Tito, then going by Tito Escondido, and his partner were able to take those titles away. Uh, che Cabrera is now bad dude Tito's partner. And, and Tito has gotten so much better since then. And Che Cabrera is great. Both of these guys are phenomenal, hard-hitting tag team wrestling, the kind of stuff you and I enjoy. The Tribe are going to impress you. They're, they're older guys. They've been around for a long time. The Navajo Warrior has been wrestling for probably like 23 years. Uh, he's had, speaking of enhancement matches, he's a guy that if you go and look at some of the old WWE matches, you'll see him all over it as the Navajo Kid. And Anyways, these two Hawaiian Lion, Navajo Warrior, they're going to show you what these old guys can do in the ring, and, and it's going to be brutal. It's going to be stiff as... Well, it's going to be brutal. Let's just leave it at that. <laughs> well, I'm stoked about it, man, because, you know, you and you and I are both huge fans of tag team wrestling. And, uh, you know, I, that's one of the things we talk about a lot is um, before the pandemic hit, you know, NWA was was looking to improve their tag division, but it wasn't quite there yet. The, the tag team uh, titles weren't quite as prestigious as they really needed to be, and there wasn't a lot of competition in there. So I'm hoping we can get some crossover, and maybe this will be the first step towards spotlighting uh, a lot of these uh, top-tier UWN tag teams and possibly putting them in a position to to make a uh, a contest for um, the NWA World Tag Championships. You never know. So, um, And then we've got the West Coast Pro Championship, and that's being defended, right? Is that belt on the line? That uh, belt is on the line. Alexander Hamilton versus EJ Sparks. I saw EJ Sparks for the first time uh, watching Championship Wrestling from Hollywood this past week. That's an impressive dude, man. Uh, what do you think? EJ Sparks was the uh, Championship Wrestling from Arizona State Champion for many months. He is a he is a solid performer. He's a solid in ring guy. Um, you got to see him this weekend take on Dan Joseph for the United Wrestling Network TV Championship. Came up short, but he is a very talented individual. But Hammerstone is Hammerstone. And although we talk about him being the West Coast Pro Wrestling Champion, he's also the MLW Open Weight Champion. And I think that, of course, that belt isn't on the line. MLW isn't even being discussed on the show. But Hammerstone is a bad dude. And he's, he's great in the ring. He's got the look. And I hope that this is a guy that maybe down the road might end up in power. 
That would be awesome. Uh, yeah, I, I'm with you, man. I think Hammerstone comes away and, and retains that uh, that West Coast Pro Championship. And then we've got the United Television Championship. You just mentioned Dan Joseph, who's the current champion. He did face off against EJ Sparks on this past week's Championship Wrestling from Hollywood, which was a great match. Um, but he's going one-on-one with Levi Shapiro and uh, for that United Television Championship. What are your thoughts on that? I, I personally think... Dan Joseph's going to retain, but clue me in a little bit about Levi Shapiro. What are are your thoughts? So so Levi Shapiro is a former, uh, most notably known as a tag team wrestler. He and uh, uh, Buddy Nelson were the uh, classic connection tag team. And they had a lot of, they have had a lot of success in Northern California. Um, Never really made that big impact in championship wrestling from Hollywood, but a solid tag team nonetheless. And when Buddy Nelson uh, uh, took a break, from in-ring action, Levi Shapiro actually got in really good shape. Um, and he's, he's been making a go of it as a singles wrestler. And to see where he is now to where he was, leaps and bounds uh, in progress in terms of his in-ring ability, in terms of his look, his, his, his conditioning. So I'm excited for the match. But that man, Dan Joseph, I mean, he is electric. Um, he is a homegrown championship wrestling from Hollywood talent. I'm expecting big things, not just for the United Wrestling Network, but from from Dan Joseph himself. And I think you're going to see the next level of Dan Joseph, for sure. Well, one of my favorite matchups of the night that I'm most excited about, we've got Camille versus Heather Monroe. Um, I got a little bit of flack on, on the show on Tuesday night. Um, because I was I, I was in the minority, and I said I thought Heather Monroe was going to take it. I know Camille is big. I know she's uh, her her strength is. I mean, you can't compare to it. I mean, she's she's been putting in the work since the the hiatus and the pandemic hit, um, and it's obvious. But I just feel like from what I've seen from Heather Monroe and her ability in the ring, her technical skills, um, her ability to to control a match. I just think she's going to come out on top. But, J.K., what are your thoughts? So, obviously, Camille is intimidating. She's powerful. She's strong. Um, Kind of the silent type where Heather Monroe is not. Heather Monroe is trained by the Santino brothers out here in Southern California, and that's the school of champions. The the talents that came from that school are amazing. And and one of these days, maybe we should just profile that school because so many of their talents are now competing in the top tiers of all wrestling. But uh, Heather Monroe is a world-traveled wrestler. She uh, wrestled as part of the Pussifer Tour as the Lucifer. She wrestled every day on tour with the, with the band Pussifer. And, and so these were like very heavily scripted matches, but just getting that kind of in-ring work over and over and over so young into her career. And then let's not forget, she also had challenged, unsuccessfully, she had challenged Jazz for the NWA Women's Championship. She unsuccessfully challenged, uh, I believe, Allison Kay for the same title in Hollywood. But she was also part of that China tour, uh, that big event in China, when she defeated former NWA Women's Champion Barbie Hayden. You have to take into consideration that she, she, she knows how to win the big match. She just hasn't been successful yet. This will be her first debut for, for pay-per-view. And I'm, I, I'm, I'm expecting an upset. It's kind of an interesting pairing, though, because both of these work, uh, both of these ladies work that heel style. So we'll see how that's going to turn out. But, uh, I'm, I, I'm thinking Heather Monroe is going to shock a lot of people. Yeah. And this seems to be the only kind of, you know, I mean, a lot of these matches could be considered crossover, but when you say specifically 
you know, uh, United Wrestling Network star versus an NWA star. This is the one that stands out so far. Now, we might have some more thrown in there that either haven't been announced or we don't know about, but this one feels like uh, the one that's kind of head-to-head, UWN versus NWA. We're partnering up, and we're going to have some crossover in some of these matches. Um, so I'm really excited about that one. Uh, but the match that we're all excited about, the match that we're all waiting to see that we are investing our time and energy into is the real world's champion, the national treasure, Nick Aldis, defending the 10 pounds of gold against the new challenger, kind of out of nowhere, in Mike Bennett, former WWE superstar, former Ring of Honor champion. Uh, he was a tag champion in Ring of Honor. And so... You know, we talked a little bit about this match up front, um, and I'm going to ask you, Jay Cal, just what's your gut telling you about who's coming out on top? So I, I, I always like to do my due diligence, and I reach out to people to see who's actually talking to a former NWA World's Heavyweight Champion who put Mike Bennett over, and I think we're stalled, so I don't know if you're seeing me or not. But he put Mike great. Bennett. He put Mike Bennett over and talked about how good Bennett is and how much he loved Bennett as a challenger. But I think we all know the writing's on the wall. I mean, we're approaching 700 days. Dr. Robert Stinson will be the first one to tell you this man is not going to lose the title uh, before his 700 days. And he might not ever lose the title. Yeah. Because Nick Aldis is that damn good. But what, what's going to happen? I mean, Michael Bennett is going to make his name known on Tuesday night, he is going to show up and he might not walk out with that 10 pounds of gold, but he's going to give Nick Aldis every single thing that he's got. You know, you and I spoke offline when this first match was first announced. I was not happy. I was disappointed. Michael Bennett's passion, his dedication, his, his conditioning, his work ethic, his promos. He's got me, man. And I'm rooting for him. I'm rooting for him. But I think we all know that Nick Aldis, he just can't lose. Yeah, especially, you know, I just don't see him the first, you know, big match on television after this hiatus. I, I just, I can't see Nick not coming out with just the 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 level of intensity that, that we've seen from him as the NWA World's uh, champion. And so, you know, I'm with you. I think Nick Aldis retains. But I keep joking with the, with the other guys in that, you know, should we start calling this uh, – Aldis versus Bennett won, you know, because I don't, I don't know if it's going to be the last, you know, win or lose for Mike Bennett. Um, you know, could it be the first of, of many matches between the two of them? Maybe he keeps chasing the 10 pounds of gold. And so that's just a thought. I don't know if you're still there. I think your video froze up. Well, we lost Jake Al. He left. But that's okay, because we were at the end anyways. Uh, thank you guys for joining us in the chat. Um, if you're watching this later on YouTube or listening on uh, the podcast feed, um, leave a comment. Let us know what you think. Thumbs up, subscribe, all that good stuff. You know the drill. Um, but I am Hey It's Will with one L on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. And then uh, Cal is at the Alliance blog on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, all that stuff, visit alliance-wrestling.com. Uh, go subscribe to all the podcasts, all that goodness. Thank you, Jake Cal, for joining me. Thank you guys for hanging out. And uh, we can't wait to see you Sunday night. Me and the Bearded Trio will be uh, going live around 8 o'clock, and it'll be our 
our uh, last show before UWN Primetime Live, so expect a deep dive into all things Primetime Live and get our thoughts on that. But thanks, you guys, for hanging out with us, and we will see you next week for another Friday Hot Tag.